everybody. So today is a really important episode. Markel, stop laughing. <laughs> I wasn't laughing. We're going to talk before. about sobriety, and I have three awesome people here with me. I have Brian, my husband, Markel, who you've heard before, and Aiden, who's one of our friends. Um, so I think we should just start the episode off with them introducing themselves. So start by saying how old you are and how many years you've been sober for. Aiden. Who's going to start? Uh, my name is Aiden Cologne. Don't say it's an anonymous program. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. The yeah, people no, want to know you. Aiden Cologne. And I'm 28 years old and I've been sober for a little over 13 months. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, is it my turn? All right. My name is Markel. Um, for the five listeners that already know that. Um, There's actually more than that. Now. All right. For the six listeners that know that. Um, I'm 25 years old. I've been sober for 18 months now. So. I ain't get no hell yeah. That's fucking hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. My name is Brian. I'm Adrian's husband. I almost said wife. That was weird. They don't know me as Adrian. What do they know you as? Oh, I don't call her Addie. I call her Adrian. Anyway, Adrian's husband. I'm 37. <laughs> and um, my sobriety date is May 25th, 2016. So I'm coming up on five years pretty soon. God willing. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, guys, so instead of starting deep off the bat, what we'll start with something easy. So what's the hardest part for you guys about being sober? That, that's, the easy, that's the easy question? Yeah. The hardest part. Yeah, the hardest part. What is the like every day, part? what do you struggle with the most? Or uh, Coming up on five years, and it's probably been this way for a while, but being for me, this is Brian speaking, um, being sober is easy. I never struggle with it. I never wake up. I never want to use. I never want to drink. Even when I have tough days and it's super stressful, that those thoughts just don't come up anymore. That's not some like you don't lean on that. I never think about it. I don't like I'm not saying it could never come back. Like if I were to stop going to meetings and stop working a program and just be like what we would call uh, like a dry uh -huh. drunk yeah. or white knuckle it. Some people call where you don't do anything. You just don't use or drink. I think days would get super stressful. And at some point I would say, fuck it. You know what I mean? My program is. um I used to talk about this with my sponsor, but like everything's going fine, everything's smooth. It's kind of like you're you're preparing, you're like getting ready for war for that one day where like you find out a close friend or family member dies or you get fired or something crazy happens. If you don't have those years or those months or whatever built up in a good support system, you're gonna go back. And from my experience. But nowadays I never struggle. But like looking at these two being like oh over a year in or mark how like a year and a half in, mm -hmm. like, did you have a problem back when you were that new? No. No? Okay. When I decided I was done, it was like my higher power just said, I got you. I think the, I think the, so like the hardest part, like the most difficult parts of sobriety are those early months. You know what I mean? It's never like the fucking, um, like the year, the, the year is not like after you hit like a certain mark, which I would say for me, it was like when I got like to six months, when I realized that, oh, I don't really need this anymore. It stopped being as hard, but you're not really dealing with like using anymore. You're not dealing with like, oh yeah, it's like hard not to use. It's like hard. Well, for me personally, it was hard just to like live a fucking regular normal life. You know what I mean? Like I didn't get a job until like I was like eight months in. Well, I had a job before that, but I wasn't really serious about it. So I didn't really have a job till I was like eight months in on my sobriety and shit. Um, and uh, it was probably mostly because like I still ha I still have like difficulties, like uh, I guess um, not being the like Markel that likes to fucking do fucking stupid shit. You know what I mean? Like I like it's still appealing to me to like sell fucking drugs or it's still appealing to me to like you just like the lifestyle yeah the lifestyle like the lifestyle to me is super super fucking and i want to make it sound like it's popping because it's not but to me it was just like it was easy fucking it was easy until it wasn't you know what i mean and uh that's the things that i'm fighting now is not mostly the fucking like uh 
actual go out and using drugs and go out and doing drugs because I know that's like that's a dead end. Uh, it's the ideas coming into my head saying, like, oh, you can fucking, you know, get a fucking uh, QP real quick. You know what I mean? And fucking try to sling it without using. But it's like, nah, I can't really do that. You know what I mean? There's no way that's possible. You know so when I mean? you get sober, for people who don't know this, like you're you're changing everything. Yeah. It's not you're keeping your life the same and you're just not putting substances in your body. Like if you want to stay sober, you have to change everything. For me, it was moving across the country, changing jobs, changing yeah. all the people in my life. Like you can't expect to go buy drugs yeah. <laughs> for a profit and then go to your fucking day job at State Farm. Like yeah, that no, shit, it's not you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, I mean, not going to happen. Yeah. And I'll go ahead. No, you know what the hardest thing for me <laughs> is getting a word in? No. <laughs> Speak up, young man. The hardest thing for me is being living in the town that I used in. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I moved That's out. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, I moved out to Arizona when I was 20 to try to get away from drugs, but, uh, you know, I was still smoking pot, but Smoke three years though. later, you know, went right back to something new. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I have a lot, everything I look at, you know, it's slowly disappearing, but if I look at, you know, places I go, roads that, uh, it's all there still, you In know, Prescott? Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's what's different for you too. Is you, yeah, you from here. But yeah. if you read the big book, um, and it says it in there, like you take your disease with you wherever you go. So yeah, you that's can't, what I realized. You, you can't, can't expect from. to move across country or states or towns and get away from those people. Like if you haven't fixed what's going on inside you, I so, think yeah. it is a good idea to move somewhere. Yeah, because yeah. then I, it there's less temptation. The yeah. yeah, I I agree with that with that point about fucking moving away because I did move away. But like at the same time, like I coming out here, I didn't come out here by my like by myself. I went to fucking treatment. You know what I mean? And most of the kids I went to treatment with uh are from here. You know what I mean? So like when they went out and relapsed, it would have been super easy for me to be like, oh yeah, let me fucking go with you. You know what I mean? Cause that's the shit I used to do. You know what I mean? But like it's different, I guess, in in my case though, because like if I went out and use with those people while I was in treatment, I'll be homeless. You know what I mean? If that person goes out and uses in treatment, he knows 30 people out here. You know what I mean? And uh, that's the thing that's hard is like people, for people that don't move away or for people that don't like get away from the surroundings, it's so easy to get comfortable because there's a lot of people that enable uh, your drug habit because they know you already. You know what I mean? Like when I was in Yuma, and I was trying to fucking cut the shit. You know what I mean? Uh, as soon as I relapsed, I was kicked out of my mom's house, but it wasn't like I was homeless. I was fucking could sleep at any couch that fucking. You knew a ton of people. Yeah, you know what I mean? I knew a ton of people that was. But fucking, if you're in a new place, like. That yeah. almost makes it more hard, though, too, because then, like, to stay sober. Well, yeah, that's what like I was in saying. In his case, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It was just like, uh, that's why I was saying I agree with him, because it's just like when you have. Uh, like the idea that like you can't relapse just because you move somewhere i don't agree with that but the idea that it's easier uh to relapse and be comfortable in your in that state of mind when you're still stuck in a place uh, where you used to use is super easy because there's a lot of people that enable that drug habit um whereas it might give you a little bit of an edge to get more, exactly a better chance yeah exactly. if like you know around the corner is the guy you score from or whatever yeah but yeah, it's just, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard either way. You know I mean? So you got sober in the town that you used to use in. Yeah. Is, yeah. I have a question for you too. So you recently moved out of the sober living home, right? Yeah. I moved out uh, three months ago. Has that been hard? It was really, so I moved into my mom for one month cause COVID um, mm-hmm. kept hitting my treatment house. Uh, and my first week at my mom's, I was having a dream every night, at least one. Um, which would using dream yeah a using dream which would make it really difficult when i wake up um but then once i moved into my apartment um a month later it was it was nothing but once i came up on my year um that was that was the most difficult i had a lot of dreams two weeks before like a dream like Oh, I used and then it's like, oh man, I got. What am I gonna tell everybody? Yeah, 
I, I was about to hit my ear. Am I gonna lie? Or am I just gonna? You ever you get like high in your dreams? Like yeah. like now not like oh yeah you use but do you get like fucked yeah, up? Yeah, you actually you, feel yeah, it. Like you feel fucked up and then you wake up and you're like what the fuck just happened? I either have the <laughs> dream where I have it and you can't fucking I can't yeah. get to it. I yeah. can't find the place to use it or I have the dream where I'm not using but I am high and I'm freaking out usually. Yeah. Dude, I love drinking dreams or you <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm gonna tell you why because I never get drunk or high in them. I like I'll either have alcohol or have like pills or something, but for some reason, something in the dream is like preventing me from using whatever. It's kind of like, so it's kind of like if you've had a dream where like you're in a fight with someone or something and, and you have a gun and like the gun doesn't work for some reason. Yeah, we like, talk about that a lot. Yeah, like this, I've Those actually so talked weird. to a bunch of people that's happened to it. Like for some reason it just won't work and you're like, so anyway, in using dreams, like I never get high, I never get drunk, but I wake up like in the dream, I'm thinking like, oh fuck, I had so much time, I relapsed. When I wake up, it's a huge relief. Like, oh my God, that was that was just a dream. Thank God. Yeah, it's, it's almost nice like a refresher. It's a refresher because I wake up and I feel so good, like I'm still sober. Yeah. So that's it's a such a good reminder. It's, it really it's like such a good reminder. It's kind of like your subconscious way of telling your brain, like, hey, don't forget about this shit. Like you were talking about um once you have six months or whatever, you're like, I don't really know if I need this anymore or whatever. Yeah. Dude, that's the shit that scares me when you go to a meeting and you hear like some dude had 20 years and like, he's yeah. like, I'm good. And then he relapses. Yeah. It's like, then, then, someone was asking me, someone was asking, oh, it was uh, somebody at work was asking me like, they didn't know I was in AA and I mentioned mm -hmm. it and they were like, do you think you're going to need that for life? And I was like, yep. Oh, I probably know who asked you that. No, it, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> And I was just like, people who aren't in the program don't realize, like, I don't want to say every single time, but if you leave, like, you're fucked. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that, like, for me, like, it was never, uh, I never, I didn't come up here, like, trying to fight AA, you know what I mean? Because, you know, like, there's no reason to, you know what I mean? I, obviously, I couldn't do it on my own. Um, by the time that, like, by the time I got six months and I started getting those feelings about, like, yo, like... Uh, you know what I mean? I don't need this shit. Like, let me just do do my own thing. That's when I was noticing uh, less progression and more, uh, what is it? Fucking the opposite. Whatever the opposite of progression is. Fucking, you guys know. Regression? Yeah, regression. Something like that. It's funny, yeah. Um, about six months in, maybe five months in, um, had my new job and everything. I quit going to the AA, all that stuff. Not even thinking about it, and every day it was just cravings, like yeah. all day long. Wasn't even thinking about it. And I finally said something to one of the guys at the uh, at the house, and and he was like, "Man, you gotta you gotta get back in the program." Meeting, dude, and man. man, I started reconnecting. And man, it's crazy how it works. Just to talk to people who are similar, it really. It's, it's almost like magic in a way because you can go from craving every day, not thinking that it's possible to stay sober, uh -huh. and then just having those right people around you. And really... then you go through a whole day without even thinking about it. Yeah, I go through I just a never lot think of about it anymore. It never crosses my mind, ever. I think I don't know. I think I'm, I'm just lucky, very lucky Brian. <laughs> I watch I watch a lot of fucking drug fucking. TV shows, so like bad idea, yeah, dude. There was a girl. So when I was in treatment, there was a chick that was watching um intervention. what intervention, and oh. she left and started shooting up like an hour later. Nah, intervention like that's just like well, like it triggers people because they see people using drugs yeah. and it like nah, but like I watched like fucking shit like fucking snowfall and shit. That's it. Like that's like that's what I'm going to like back to my issue. My issue is not really more about like the fucking. Uh, drugs anymore it's more about the idea of still doing fucking shit that i Bad used to shit. yeah you know what i mean <laughs> and like the lifestyle. because like like and like and i don't want to sound like uh ungrateful because i'm very grateful for the life i have i'm grateful for everything i have i'm grateful for all the things i have accomplished uh, i'm grateful for all the people that are in my life you know what i mean but at the same time you know what i mean like it's still always hard because i always think about like Bro, like I was making more money doing that shit than I am doing now. And it's a fucked up way to think because like there's no like what do we learn? The only way I, the, the only way uh the only uh end point of this 
is jails, institution, and death. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like those are the things that keep me away from trying to go back into that life is because I don't want to go to I have a clean record. You know what I mean? And I'm blessed to have a clean record after all the shit I've done. You know what I mean? And I'm blessed to uh not be in jail. I'm blessed not to be dead. I'm blessed not to be in well, I kind of still am, but like I'm not in a real institution where I have to go to counseling and some random motherfuckers ask me. You're not in jail or something. Yeah, you know what I mean? And like, you know, I'm I'm grateful for that shit. I mean, and that's kind of what keeps me away from going back out and doing dumb shit more than the fucking idea of me going out and relapsing. It's just that I know that I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to ever be like, oh, Markel was doing good. And then, oh, he fucked up and now he's in jail and he's in jail for this amount of time. Or like, oh, Markel fucked up and now he's uh, uh, he lost his mind and now he just doesn't know how to comprehend shit anymore. Or that I'm just dead. Like, I don't want people to fucking talk about me like, oh, yeah, he was so nice. And then he just fucked up and now he's dead. Like, no, nah, like, mm-hmm. I can't have that be the end of my story. So, yeah, I just try to I think about that more than I think about drugs. It's just that, like, I don't want to be. You know what I mean, because for me, it's different. Like, I'm a statistic when that shit happens. You know what I mean, like we like uh, and I want to make it about race. But like as an African-American male, we fill up fucking uh the prison systems because of drugs. You know what I mean? Uh, we die over drugs. You know what I mean? And if it, it might not be because they're using, but it might be because they're fucking selling it or involved. I heard some crazy that statistic shit. that like something like over 80% of people in prison or jail has to do something with drugs or alcohol. So mm-hmm. like not saying they sold it and got arrested, but it could be like a DUI. It could mm-hmm. be like there was a violent fight over drugs or alcohol. Yeah. There was like a domestic violence thing that happened where both people were drunk. Yeah. We're like over 80% of the people, like prisons would be only like 20% full if it like drugs and alcohol disappeared. It's yeah. like such a, it would just, it would just be rapists and murderers, which actually well, not rapists and murderers, but it'd be like the shit that's not, sober, yeah, rapists and murderers. sober rapists and murderers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there are murderers and rapists that are just fucking slinging that dope. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it's, that's something we should talk about, but I'll leave that for later. Different episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when did you guys realize that it was getting out of control? Like, what was your rock bottom? Um, I don't want to go first. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> want to oh, go? Oh, God. It was pretty random, honestly. Um, for me, there was a lot of times when it should have been the time that I went to rehab, but... Um, losing my girlfriend helped a lot. That probably helped a lot, you know, sitting in a room all messed up with nothing to think about but her. Alone. Yeah, alone. Uh, nobody that you really cared for around you. Nobody to call my own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That, that helped a lot. Um, and then just, it got so repetitive, you know, the same thing would always happen. Um. And yeah, I just grew tired of it. And I don't, I don't even know what I was thinking. I just finally told my mom, I was like, okay, I think, I think I'm gonna go to rehab. Um, my manager wanted me to go about three months earlier. Manager. Yeah. My manager was on to me. <laughs> what do you have a manager for? What are you fancy? Yeah. You know, I'm a, you know, <laughs> no, my manager at work was on to me for a long time. Um, and she finally was like, you should go to rehab. And I was like, oh, just give me a week. I'm going to get up, get off of it. And I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to do it myself. Because that always works. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I got away from it for a little bit a few times. But uh, always came back. Yeah, I always came back. Because, you know, I get to the normal life and it would just be sitting in the same rut that was where I used. Um, all the same. Everything was the same except for... I was trying not to use drugs. And then, yeah, well, back to the point. Um, I finally, yeah, was like, all right, I've got this number somebody gave me a while ago. And I called him and went to rehab the next day. And God, two days in, I was ready to go home. Really? Oh, man. That always happens. I was so ready. I was so I was happy to be there this manager. time. But, yeah, everybody goes to rehab and, like, 48 hours in, they're like, fuck Give me this. I, I was like, what did I do? I can do it myself. Uh-huh. Just let me go. I have uh-huh. an idea of what to do now. Man, 
No, I stuck with it though. I stuck with it. I stayed there for 11 months or whatever, nine months, um, something around there. And I think staying there longer helped a lot because if I would have left mm-hmm. after the three month program and went back to my place, they, they convinced me to change everything, change my job, which was a pot farm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everybody Wait, ever. your manager at the pot farm said you need to rehab? That's funny as fuck when that bitch my was man. like, yo, you got a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my manager there. She was like, yo, you need to chill. <laughs> yeah, she wanted me to go to rehab. I get into rehab. All the people at rehab are like, you're not going back there. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, man, I got this. I'm going to I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna be sober no, to at the pot plan, farm. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna be the one. Might as well go try to be a bartender. Start. But yeah, that shit's real. And it worked out. Yeah, yeah. So I got a job at Panera for a little and I hated it. Hated going back to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it it helped. And then I finally got the job I wanted uh, working with the animals. And it's been ups and downs there. But yeah, that the job, all the new people I met, those are, those have helped a lot mm-hmm. with keeping me on the right path. Oh yeah, oh yeah. My turn. Yeah. What was the question? <laughs> what was your rock bottom? My rock bottom. Um. Well, kind of like you mentioned, I just kept having a cycle. I was really good at bullshitting my way into really good jobs and starting off really well for like a couple of weeks or a month, and then, um, and then after like my true traits would show up, where I would I would show up late to work, or I would call out sick, or I would show up on time, and but then I would just have shitty work ethic all day, and it was like eventually I would either quit and find another job, or a couple of times I got fired, and it was just a cycle over and over, and I would spend all my money and just be back on unemployment or back searching for a job or whatever, and this went on for years and years, um, and then the last time I. Uh, it was kind of like a cycle of like using and drinking and then not having money. So then I'd be like withdrawing from all these substances and having extreme like paranoia and anxiety and depression. Um, and then uh, I started having like major panic attacks and I, I couldn't go to work one day. And then I was like two or three days, I think in a row. And then my boss was wondering where I was and like, I kind of wanted them to fire me so I could get unemployment, but they weren't doing that. They were like, are you coming back? And I was like, I don't know. And then uh, I remember sitting on my couch, this was with my ex-girlfriend in our, um, in our apartment, and I was up for like three days straight, and I couldn't sleep, and I was freaking out, and I was like, I can't do this anymore, like I'm just done. Um, and I, um, we lived in like kind of next to a hospital, it was probably like 100 yards away, and uh, this was back in Connecticut, and I walked into the emergency room, and I was just like, I need help, and uh and I told him I had been up for days and like the reason why I was withdrawing from stuff. And, uh, um, then they're like, they helped me. They gave me like, um, a shot of like Ativan or something to calm me down. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, we don't have like, this isn't the right facility for you to get help or whatever. So they transferred me in an ambulance to Hartford, which is the capital, which is a bigger hospital. And they had like a psych wing and my dad left work or, or no, I called my mom. I think it was my mom or my dad on the way to the other hospital in the ambulance. And I was telling them what was going on. And so my dad like immediately left work and met me over there. Um, and they probably thought it was going to be one of those things where like get help for a day and then go back to the same old life. But I was like, no, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I need like massive change. So I stayed in the psych ward for a week. I'd never slept so great in my life because it was just like cycles of never sleeping. And I slept every night for like 10 hours straight. <laughs> and I was there for a week. And during that week when I was there, um, my mom was researching different rehabs to go to. And I told her like, I need to get out of Connecticut. I kind of were like talking about before you can't move away from your problem, but it sometimes helps to get a fresh start, like away from certain people. So she was looking at places. There was a place in uh, Flagstaff. I think she looked at, there was a place in um, uh, Tucson. And then um, there's a place up here in Prescott. She lives in Mesa, which is like an hour and a half South in, in the Valley by Phoenix. But um I didn't realize at the time Prescott was like the rehab capital of the world. Apparently mm-hmm. there's like hundreds and hundreds of rehabs here. Well, they, so when you were here, there was more. Yeah. They had like a big crackdown yeah. a couple of years ago. Cause there was like sketchy people like calling their house a rehab and like having yeah. insurance pay a bunch of money. But yeah, it was, it was so crazy. I left the psych ward after a week and flew out here and uh, got myself into the inpatient. And um, 
it was, uh, I started off with a month. Luckily when I, when I left that last job, I still paid for the Cobra insurance. So insurance was paying for most of the rehab, which was really oh, good. Yeah. Cause at the end of it, it was like $120,000 and we barely, we barely had to pay any like insurance covered, like almost all of it. Yeah. That was me too. Yeah. But, uh, I did a month and then, uh, they were like, all right, you, you know, you did a month. Like, do you want to stay? And I was like, hell yeah. And I stayed another month and I, this just kept happening month after month. And my parents kept like, were worried that I was just going to leave. Cause you were talking about when you first get in, people want to leave right away. And you know, it's kind of funny. You were in, I was in rehab for a total of six months. You were in for how long? Um, living at the house, I think nine months, nine months. And you were in for a while too. Most of these programs and people generally think of rehab as like 28, 30 days. Dude, that is not enough time to change your entire life. Like you can't, you can't be a full blown drug addict or alcoholic, go to a place for four weeks and then go back to your same exact life and think things are going to be different. I did 30 so, days in fucking Tucson and went back out the next day. This was my third <laughs> rehab. The other yeah. times I did a month yeah. and went back to the same job, yeah. same girlfriend, same people. Obviously it didn't work. Yeah. Um, so this time it was like month after month. I kept telling them I want to do another one. I want to do another one. And then it was, it ended up being six months long. The first like four months was the true actual inpatient. And then once you hit like a certain point, they had like a, um, like a program where you would live at rehab. You'd have to drug test and you'd have to go to meetings and stuff, but you could have a regular job. And that's when I got the job at the Humane Society and I started working there. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But basically my bottom was just, I was just fucking sick and tired of, withdrawing not having money being miserable being depressed having anxiety having insomnia it was just i was at the point where i was like fucking kill me or fix me because i'm just done with this shit it was one of the two i mean i don't know if you guys ever felt this but i used to always like i wasn't suicidal but i didn't really give a shit if i like died one day or something you know i think most of them most of us have felt that way. You just get to the point where you just can't do it anymore. You're just like, I, I don't fucking care. Like, I'd rather die and then keep going. Yeah. Big facts. Anyway, what happened with you? Go. Um, so, like, with me, it was mostly just, like, um, like, all right. So, like, I had the I had the toxic relationship that I was in where, like, she enabled my drug habit. But that wasn't bottom for me. That was fine. Yeah, I mean. Um, it didn't help. Shut up. You're far it didn't, away. <laughs> it didn't help. It didn't help that I was in a relationship with that girl that was using as well. But like, mm-hmm. um, that was fine because it was constant pussy. It kept me comfortable. You yeah. know what I mean? But that's the truth. Like, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell my truth. You know what I mean? The thing, the thing with me was that. So before I came to Prescott, um, I had, I had the day before I came to Prescott. Uh, I had been stopped by um, Homeland Security on my way back from a. I don't even think I should be talking about this, but like, you already started. Yeah. So like, <laughs> wait, wait till this podcast blows up in yeah. five years, and they're gonna replay this. Episode. Exactly. You know what I mean, I'm gonna just try to do as as much without that much detail. So I did. I went to Mexico. Was coming back. Um, uh, coming back to Yuma, uh, which is like a 20 minute trip. So by the time we hit Yuma, we went to this, uh, gas station, fucking Homeland security stops. It's Homeland security and fucking border patrol together. And I mean, which I knew something was up because like that day we went fucking, there was like a bunch of border checks going on and like people were getting their shit, like tossed out their car and shit like that. So I knew something was up. You know what I mean? But like, your addict brain doesn't tell you anything. You're just like, oh, fuck it. Let's just keep moving. You know what I mean? Uh, but they stopped us. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they kind of put, try to put pressure on us. You know what I mean? They were trying to tell us, like, oh, we found uh, such and such in the car. It's this amount. You know what I mean? You, know, you guys are in trouble. But, like, it was me and two other girls. And, like, me knowing, like, I'm like, yeah, like, we're good if that's all they find. You know what I mean? Uh, then they started talking about cavity check. And that's when it kind of got real because I was just like, oh, shit, they're going to find something when that cavity check pops off. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so like, uh, they were waiting to get the warrant from the judge, which is fucking crazy because by the time, like, they got the warrant, it was, like, 11 p.m. at night. You know what I mean? And that nigga was asleep. You know what I mean? So, like, he must have thought, like, 
this is a big well it was a big issue because homeland security and national fucking or not homeland security and fucking border patrol were involved dude if homeland security is involved you fucked up yeah okay That's, well like well I, it was well here's the thing it's federal you know what i mean yep. once it gets federal dog that shit that's when I was it's like, not some rinky dink town yeah, cop, dude. You know it's, I mean? So like, if it's they like a show on NBC. So like, what they said that they found in the car didn't scare me because I was like, they found that in the car that can be that's they didn't. You know what I mean, like, there's no way you can prove that we fucking crossed that amount because it's too little of an amount to be like, yo, they crossed this. That's not you know what I mean. And the car never went into Mexico. We always walked into Mexico and walked back out. Uh, luckily for me, though. I didn't walk across this time. I was just driving the car, uh, driving the car with suspended license, uh, no insurance and all that shit. So that's just going to be a ticket. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When they talked about cavity check, uh, they were like, Markel, you can go home because you didn't cross in Mexico. So I said, bet. My girl was like, what the fuck you mean bet? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're like, I'm about, you know what I mean? Like, we about to go to fucking prison. I'm like, no, you <laughs> about to go to fucking <laughs> You know I mean? yeah, you're ride or die yeah. until fucking like, homeland bro, shows bro, up. Bro, bro, like, no, nah, like, that's federal. And it sounds fucked up. Yeah, it sounds fucked up. But it was just like, my mind was like, I'm not going to. Cause you're, you're, your mind is like, you're going to save yourself. Yeah, you know what I mean? Survival. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, like, I can find another fucking girlfriend. Like, I mean, and that's not, it's not, it's, it's fucked up to say, but, like, When yeah, you look back on it, yeah. you're like, fuck. Yeah, you know what I mean? But, uh, so... They they did they you know what I mean they were like Markel you can go home so I was like all right fuck it I went to my cousin's house uh, my cousin saw us and like that's nothing that scared me too is because like while we were out there fucking we were handcuffed right and border patrol is giving us water and giving us fucking like Powerade and like I'm refusing to drink it but then like I'm fucking withdrawing and shit so I have to drink something like I'm like fucking fucking feeling weird and shit. So I'm finally drinking it and people are like driving by like in my because like we were like so close to my hood that people are driving by and they could see us. And like as soon as you look like any type of way, look like you're getting something from the cops or getting something from the police, they automatically are going to think like, oh, yeah, you snitching. Oh, yeah, you're doing something. You know what I mean, so I went to my cousin's house. And my cousin's like, yeah, I saw y'all niggas. And he just went back to sleep. And I was just like, well, fuck, I'm, I shouldn't be here because he kind of like, you know, I mean, this is probably not the best spot. So I went back to the house we used to trap at. And um, when I went there, uh, the homeboy that we had watching the house, because we had our we had the dog in there and then we had uh, I think we had two cats, but those motherfuckers were like missing. We couldn't find them. But like he was watching the animals and shit. Um, I go missing in there. Cats. Well, they were like missing in the house. Like they were in the house, but they were missing. <laughs> we fucking got them niggas one day and then they were they scaredy cats. Uh, I would be scared looking at the niggas that adopted them too. Like we fucking, <laughs> we all smoking fucking shit and just tweaking out. They're like, yeah, fuck that. Let's just hide. So what, <laughs> what, what happened that made you want to get sober? Like what was your bottom bottom? Well, that, this is what I'm about to say, right? This was my bottom, right? Uh, I go to the house. I'm talking to, I'm talking to the cat, right? Saying like, yo, they're not going to get the out. missing cat? No, no. Like the homie that was watching the motherfucking uh, people. I'm like, yo, they're not going to get out. Like it's done. Um, three hours pass. I see the car pull up. Um, I see the car pull up and both of them hop out and that shit scared the fuck out of me because I was just like, what the fuck just happened? You know what I mean? Like, y'all niggas should be locked up. Like, there's no fucking... The two girls? Yeah. Oh. Okay. No no if ands, or buts. Like, they should be fucking... Y'all should be gone. You know what I mean? And they told me, like, the scenario that happened. Like, oh, yeah. So, so like, you're like, oh, they snitched together? Yeah, they fucking okay. snitched. And, like, once I realized, like, okay, I'm dealing with this... I'm scared that people think that I'm a snitch. Mm -hmm. And now that all three of us are fucking free, they're most definitely going to think I'm a snitch. Plus, if they snitch, I'm getting Even though you didn't, they're going to assume you did with them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I was like, fuck that. I need to get out of here. Um, and like, I, I know that's not like something where it was like more about like the fucking like the drugs effects or like, oh, what the drugs were doing to me. But like, the paranoia of that while being because like in all honesty i would have been fine you know what i mean if i just like say i stayed there and try to get uh not fine because i would have still been addicted to drugs but like the paranoia of the drug being an addict made me 
overthink stuff and made me fucking start going crazy about it. It made me fucking fantasize about, oh yeah, niggas are going to come to my house and kill me. So you're getting paranoid you know? and you're thinking about murder. Yeah, murder and people are going to kill my mom or people are going to do that. But if they really were going to do that, my mom would have been dead already. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, these niggas ain't like, honestly, like I'm not trying to talk shit about them. Them niggas ain't going to do shit to me or my family. You know what I mean? And that's just the dead honest truth. You know what I mean? Like we would do something before they would do something. But um, once I saw that, that made me super scared and made me realize like I'm too bitch for this shit. And that sounds fucking weird, but like once you like there's niggas that would do like do shit like that and be like federal prison and just taking on like all right, cool. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to prison, I'm going up. You're just built different. Yeah, I'm not people that are like built for that shit. Exactly. Like prison, whatever, I got this. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like I'll be respected in there. Fuck that. Yeah, my that's... first thought, my first thought is when I go in, I'm going to be a bitch. Somebody's going to make me, I'm going to get PC'd up. I'm going to get fucked up every day. People are going to beat my fucking ass. I'm a skinny little black dude addicted to fucking meth and fucking pills and shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to beat my ass. You know what I mean, I'm going to be some fucking Aryan Brotherhood's bitch and get fucked every day. No, fuck that. I'm not, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to do that, you know? And, uh, if you're not so, built for that, you better get out yeah, of the game, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I call my mom. And my mom's tired of already tired of me calling her because I've called her several times about trying to go to rehab. Mm-hmm. But every time I've fucking called her, I came back to Yuma telling her, like, oh yeah, I'm good. Like I got it now. You know what I mean, which is false. she was sick of hearing your shit. Yeah, you know what I mean? But like she was like, Yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you. You know what I mean? I'm gonna take you. We're gonna go to Prescott, you're gonna go back, uh, you're gonna go to Prescott, and you're gonna fucking do this, do the deal. And I was like, all right, cool. So I get picked up. Um, but before I got picked up, I was like, like, and it's like, this is where it's getting at to my bottom. It's that like, I was so paranoid and so fucked up and I was like withdrawing and shit like that, that I made my mom take me somewhere just so I could get more fucking pills to smoke before I fucking went to detox. Mm-hmm. And the look on her face, the look that she like saw, like, cause I wasn't like, I was not in my right mind. I was smoking this shit right in front of her. The, the face that she gave me while she saw me smoke on that shit, would just fucking destroy me inside. You know what I mean? And I never want to put that on my mom. I mean, like I never, like I understood the emotions that my mom had, but I never witnessed the emotions that my mom had about me doing this shit. You know what I mean? Like her telling me like, oh yeah, you're breaking my heart. Yeah, that should break my, that should break me. That should make me feel bad, but it didn't. You know what I mean? Me actually seeing the effects that I put my mom through and the effects that I'm probably putting my niece through or my nieces through, my brother through, uh, my grandparents and shit like that, that's what kind of opened my eyes and told me like, yo, you need to change something. You know what I mean? Because like that, I didn't want, if that was my day that I was going to die, I didn't want that to be the last look that my mom gave me. I didn't want that to be the last image that my mom had. You know what I mean? I didn't want that to be the last image that I presented out to this world and had a bunch of people uh, when they speak about me uh, like I said before, like when they speak about me, it's only that, you know? So once I saw that, I, I was like, yo, I got to change. Um, so I went to detox. Um, when I got to detox, uh, that kind of was whatever. Um, and then when I went my, went to treatment, same thing that Aiden said, 40 hours. I was like, yo, I got this. Let me get out. But I was very, very thankful that I had a nigga there that he, he was kind of a bitch, but like he was really like he was straight up like he would like he would be a dick to me he'll be like an asshole to me and that's what kind of motivated me to keep doing this shit was that the nigga would be like nah you a bitch like he would call me a bitch he'll call me a sucker he'll call me a punk i'm like i ain't no fucking punk you know what i mean i'll fuck you up you know what i mean and he was like nah you ain't gonna do shit all you gonna do is cry and whine and act like you got this shit and i was just like fuck you know what i mean but that kind of pissed me off enough to make me want to do it you know what i mean like this is not like the the thing that they teach you but like me being pissed off or me being like it's the same thing that like uh I don't want to say people's names, but like our supervisor at the job, you know what I mean? I'm not saying his name, but I'm saying like he fucking pisses me off sometimes in order to shut up, stop, 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 relax, relax, relax. It's fine. It's fine. He knows that he does this. He will say things uh, to get me like. Let's leave work out of this. No, no, no. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's motive. So he'll say things like, uh, yo, I'm like, he'll be like, yo. I'm the fastest person here at cleaning chemicals. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And that shit pisses me off because I feel like I'm fast. You know what I mean? Or he'll say stuff like, uh, uh, like I like he does stuff that kind of makes me be like, yo, I I can do that too. You know what I mean? 
but then he'll show me that I can't and it makes me mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like, fuck, I gotta fucking do it now. I gotta be better than that. I have to be better than you. And it's not uh, a thing where it's like, I don't like him. Like he's a fucking, you know what I mean? He's a cool person, but it's the motivation that he gives me by being competitive or by being like, uh, kind of like, yo, like this is what's up. You know what I mean? This is the, this is the fucking, this is the mark right here and you have to reach this limit. You know what I mean? And that's what I try to do. So like when I have people in my life that push, cause like, yeah, if you coddle me, I'm going to leave. You know what I mean? I was in Tucson fucking, I was doing drugs and rehab in Tucson. They just kept me there. So of course I'm going to stay there and just keep doing drugs. You know what I mean? When you tell me to like, hey, like here's a mirror, look at your fucking self. You you a punk. You know what I mean? I'm gonna try to prove to you every day that I'm not a punk. Tough love. Yeah. You know. Now what? <laughs> Sorry, Jordan's just over there. Are you still recording? <laughs> the baby, yes. Yeah. Um okay, so I have another question. Do you have any advice for somebody who may be struggling and wanting to get sober? And on the flip side of that, any advice for somebody who might be wanting to relapse or struggling with that? It's all the same answer to me. Yeah. Get a strong program in place. Go to meetings. So it's from my experience, because I, I can only speak from, for myself. The only way I could stay sober was by going to AA or NA and uh, doing the program like they recommend. Get a sponsor, go to you know a ton of meetings in the beginning. They suggest 90 meetings in 90 days, and then you can kind of, <clears throat> I think, lay off a, a little bit after that, but still go to at least you know two, three, four a week. You know, mm -hmm. um, have service work, have a commitment. Um, but like there have been stories of people who are like religious and they just go to church and stay sober that would never work for me but um i know there's stories of people that do that but if you're struggling uh and you're not sober currently you're just using day after day and you want to get sober or if you're already in the program but you're just not like wanting to relapse um find people to talk to find a support system you know what i mean don't suffer alone that's when bad shit happens when you suffer alone yeah, uh, I want to just go off of Brian's point. It's just you have to go to you have to you have speak to go to up. yeah you have to speak up. You have to go to a meeting. You know what I mean? Uh, you have to be willing to accept help. You know, um, the thing is, is like you're not gonna you're not you're, well. I'm not gonna I'm gonna speak for myself. I didn't enjoy the meetings at first. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they were they were long. They were boring. You know what I mean? But like the thing that they always say, what well, the the meetings that are good, what they always say is just keep coming back. You know what I mean? And eventually you're going to, you're going to understand what the shit is. You're going to understand what you need to do and what, uh, uh, what you have to do in order to save your life. Um, so like, in all honesty, it's not, this is, this is a program. Like it's a program of like simple, simple steps. But like, once you, once you understand what, like the steps, themselves are just steps for me, like are just steps to be a better human being. Like anybody can do the steps. I mean, it's stuff that I feel like every human being should do. But once you start looking into yourself, it's going to get hard. And that's when you're going to need that support system. Uh, that's when you're going to need those people to talk to. And it's harder to do that when you're not in the rooms because there's not a lot of people that understand what we go through in a day-to-day -day basis. You know what I mean? Or understand like a fucked up day for you might not be the same as a fucked up day for me. You know what I mean? A fucked up day for you, you probably just like, oh fuck, I'm just gonna sleep today. A fucked up day for me, it might be like, oh shit, like I wanna go relapse now, you know? And without having that support. Better than it was before. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have this roommate in rehab and then we got our first apartment together and he used to, after we got sober, he would always say, we got quality problems. Yeah. You know what um, I mean? There's like, there's a difference between like, like not having money to buy like a cool pair of shoes or something you want. And then there's the difference of like, fuck, I just got arrested again for DUI and I'm going to yeah. lose my job. And yeah. You know what I mean? But what like, you think Aiden, you're quiet over there. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. What I think. What's what your I, suggestion for people struggling? What I've said, you know, you are who you hang out with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, rehab helped me a lot. I always talked a lot of shit about it because there are a lot of people, God, most people that go to rehab don't follow the advice or they don't stick with it. 
That's the thing. There's some statistic like three yes. percent make mm-hmm. it. Yeah, pretty much. It's I like ninety percent go out and relapse. Another like percent of that ten percent are the ones who stay sober for a long time, or you know whatever. But yeah, if you are who you hang out with. That's my whole theory. So your advice would be if you're struggling, change the people you're around. Yeah, that's everything, you know. If you're in places and things. Because, you know, if you're in active addiction, pretty much all your friends are in active addiction. So probably you can't just quit using and expect to stay sober. You got to really change every single thing. Um, You can't just change parts of your life. You got to change everything. You really got to become a new person, which is sort of disgusting whenever you're turning into that person you uh because you're not familiar to that you're familiar to the craziness that that sucks but that's all you know and that's what you enjoyed you know that's what you're used to so you go into this new life that's just you know that's easy because it's easy in a way it's it's difficult to stay sober, but everything's so easy that you want to almost make it difficult because that's what you're used to. But mm-hmm. you got to learn to appreciate the little things. Nice. Um, and what would you guys say to somebody who has a family member who is an addict and how they should handle them? Bum rush them. I'm just kidding. Bum rush them. Nah. Um, I can't. So, like, for like with, with with my with my family and stuff like that, which I'm not talking bad about my family, but like I've I've growing up I knew about like two addicts in my family. Um I don't know the amount of support that they got. Um but I, I do know that they always were would bring up like, yo, you need to do something, you need to change. Um I feel like it would be helpful if there is a family member in there is not to well, it's different for everybody, but like not to kind of like try to be an asshole about it because that grows resentments and people try to uh, deflect that, but just try to talk to them and try to see where they're at to get help. Because, um, mo- but like in my case and like most scenarios, people aren't going to get the help even if family is involved, it's most likely just going to be a thing where like, they're going to get the help when they feel ready. And that sucks to say, and it's sad to say, but like, there, there's only so much as, as a family member, I don't know, I sound like a bummer right now saying this shit, but like, there's only so much that your family can do. You know what I mean, you guys can do everything right. You guys can call research and do everything. You know what I mean? But until that person's ultimately ready to get their life back on track, then it's just all going to be for uh, for waste. But I don't want you to act like, hey, we got to cut him off completely in order for him to realize that. Like, because if it wasn't for my mom picking up and answering the phone and saying, hey, like, yeah, I still got you. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? But like, there was a cer- there was a certain level to like the help that she was willing to give. So, what do you think? I think it is a difficult one because it's really got to be the the person themselves' choice. Um, you, I hear of so many kids who go to rehab because their parents made them. And the whole time they're in rehab, all they're waiting for is that day they get out. Um, and older, you know, parents that are in active addiction that have been for most of their life. Uh, it's really tough, man. It's a rough disease you're dealing with. Um, it's really hard to make your uh, parent or somebody close to you do something that they don't want to do. I'd say most addicts wish or they they have a plan that one day they're not going to use, but most of them don't put any action into it. It's always going to be tomorrow or next week or next year. But yeah, it's really hard. Um, I think I think it depends on the person. It, some people cut family members off and it works. Some people cut them off and it makes it worse. It's really, it's a roll of the dice, but you, I think you should always be there for them. Um, and sometimes tough love is the best way to be there for somebody. 
All right, here's the answer. There is no easy answer. (laughs) Every situation is different. Every person's life is different. Every family is different. There's no 100% direct answer to this question. If someone's struggling, um, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways you can go about it. But at the end of the day, just like you guys said, no one ever gets sober uh, because someone else made them. So if you get arrested and a judge sends you to rehab and you don't want to be there, but the second you get out, you're going to relapse. Uh, if a teacher or a parent or a family member or whoever uh, is trying to force something upon you, it's never going to work. 100% of the time, it's going to fail. I mean, people only change when the pain gets so bad that they just can't take it anymore and they want to change. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, as far as helping people, um, it's tough because from my situation, one of the things that made me change was when I called my dad and asked him for money. And he said no, because he used to always help me. And then he said no, and I was like, well, fuck, what am I going to do now? Yeah, You know what I mean? So enabling is huge. I mean, you can still be there for family members. So let's say you have a son, right? And he's struggling and he keeps losing his job and he's asking you for help. You can pick up the phone and say, I'll help you with this or I'll help you go to rehab or help you with that, but I'm not giving you any money. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, There's different types of like being there. And then it's tough, but like what if you do if someone is um, there like uh, – they're drinking or using, but they have a job, but they're still killing themselves. It's like they're calling you because you're their family member or friend or whatever, but they're not begging you for money. It's not like cutting them off is going to make them change because they already have yeah. their own money. But it's like you don't want to sit there and watch them kill themselves at the same yeah. time. So it's it's, 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 a, it's fucking tough. It's a it's a difficult question. Like there's no like Brian was saying, there's no right answer. You know what I mean, it's it's it's, it's tough. You got to be strong. You know what I mean, like. Um, just like what Brian was saying, like, I know a bunch of people that fucking were maintaining their habit, you know what I mean? While like still being successful, functioning drug addict, yeah. functioning alcoholic, you know what I mean? It only, but it only lasts for so long, you know what I mean? Which I, I don't want to say like, like there's like a big rock bottom, but there, there's always a bottom somewhere. You know what I mean? There always has to be, um, it's just you just got as a family member to that you just have to be strong. You know what I mean? Uh, one thing my mom learned um, going to I think it was Al-Anon is that what it was called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she went to Al-Anon. Was that uh, your your job isn't to play the sympathy card as as the parent or as the family member or as relatives not to play the sympathy card like you know what I mean or play the fucking role of being like oh da 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 you your role is to be the the foundation would be strong you know what i mean um once you got that down you know the, the steps after that you know what i mean so like obviously like what brian was saying if they're not calling about money or if they're not calling about the yeah i can get you help or i could do this if they're only calling about money that's when you make the cutoff like no i can't do that um for someone that is a functioning drug addict you know what I mean? Like it's a diff- That's it's a, tougher. It's a tougher situation because they don't need you. Yeah, but like still, the thing is, is that I I would like to believe, which I could be wrong, is that most most functioning or most drug addicts or alcoholics, no matter what you are, there has to be some point where like you're trying to fill some empty spot that is being replaced with drugs. You know what I mean, there has There's to be something broken yeah. in you that you're trying to fill the void. People exactly. don't just become drug addicts and alcoholics for no reason there's something wrong with them and they're trying to fill that hole yeah with substances so like with with that being the case they don't yeah they don't maybe they don't need like uh financial support maybe they don't need a roof to stay in or something like that but there's something that they're lacking that they're trying to avoid and uh if you know what that is it would help but like it's still, like I said, like Brian even said, that's the, that's the toughest one is when you're functioning and going through. I know what I would do because I think about this all the time because I'm terrified for when we have kids. Like I, I just like have this horrible feeling that one of them is going to be an alcoholic or drug addict because addiction runs throughout my family, both grandparents. I mean, uh, well, not my grandma, but my grandfather on one side, my grandfather on the other side died before I was ever born from cirrhosis of the liver um addiction runs in adrian's family so i just know like when we have kids like i'm gonna have to deal with this shit you know what i mean um 
the only thing I can do is to let them know, like if I have a son who's a teenager in his twenties or whatever, and he's just fucking his life up. Like, I love you and I'm always here for you, but I like, I don't want you in my life until you're ready to change because I can't just watch someone I love kill themselves. Even if they don't need money, if they're just doing that day after day after day, like, I just don't want to be around it. I can't, it's too painful. You know what I mean? I have a, um, a friend back home that's killing himself right now with drugs. And, um, I have other friends that are there and they want to be around him and shit, but like, it's horrible to see, you know, one of them had to move out. They were roommates. One of them had to move out and just be like, I can't be around this anymore. Like, it's just, I love you to death. And, um, like you'll always be my friend, but like, I just can't watch you like kill yourself. Basically. Imagine how hard, like I think about the nights my dad like couldn't sleep because he was worried he was going to get a phone call from the cops. Like, Hey, we just found your son. He's dead. Like, I don't like, I feel like I'm going to go through that all these sleepless nights where I have like a teenage girl or a teenage boy or whatever, just out partying. And I'm, you know what I mean? I hope, I hope I don't have to deal with that, but there's a good chance I will (laughs) hit the genetic lottery, baby. I'm worried about that same thing. Like with your own children. Yeah, dude, that'd be so tough. Right. Cause you, you've been through it and you just imagine what you put your parents through. Just imagine like what you're going to go through. Like, fuck. And the only way, like, I don't know what else to do. Like, you give them money, they're never going to change. They're just going to keep getting high or whatever. You know? So. My the goal, only thing you can really do is, 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 like, there's other opinions. Like, people freak out. They go, okay, you cut someone off. What happens if they go and they die? Well, like, that's terrible. That's horrible. Yeah. But they're going to die anyway, even if you're in their life. Like, yeah. you can't save someone else. Yeah. They have to save themselves as sad as it is to hear that. Like if you have an 18 year old son who's killing himself with drugs, you can't force him into rehab. People who are billionaires do not have enough money to force kids into changing. Like it's just, yeah, they have to want to change. It's a, it's a, it's a big fear um, to experience that with your own child and stuff like that. Um, I like, the thing is, is that I don't want to be dishonest with if when I do eventually have kids, I don't want to be dishonest with them. I'm gonna let them know what it is for a fact. You know what I mean, um, the best I can do is just provide the best living situations because I know for me personally, uh, I know for me personally, it was being around situations that I had no business being around. Um, and you, you would like just- growing up, you mean? Yeah, well, growing up and just um, searching for it, kind of, you know what I mean? Like growing up, I was, growing up, I started off like in a fucking trailer park. My mom busted her ass to, to do better and get better, but I was still close to like my cousins or to my friends that didn't have as much as me. I wasn't close to the kids that were, um, quote unquote middle class or rich or whatever the fuck you want. I wasn't close to those kids. I was closer to the kids that resembled a background and lifestyle that I grew up in. Um, so it's everywhere though. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing that scares me is because I know how hard my mom worked. So I didn't have to grow up in that situation. There's, there's and, rich suburban kids right who are dying of fentanyl right now. And shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such yeah. a fucked up disease. It's, Rich, poor, black, yeah. white, young, old, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's that's why I was going into like with the fear of it. It's just that I know that like just changing uh, surroundings doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Um, but I feel like good communication and honesty, because there's a lot of things that I didn't talk about as a child that kind of led to my addiction. And I don't want to uh, like put that blame on anyone except for myself because. My mom has, my mom always tried to communicate with me. Um, I just hope when I am a father uh, that my kid um, has enough confidence in me to be to be open and communicate things with me. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of things going on in my life that I just kind of didn't want to talk about. And I feel like that's something that can help a lot for parents is just communication with your kids. You know what I mean? And if you're upfront and honest about things, it's way easier than trying to hide it. Cause once you hide it, in my personal opinion, is once you try to hide 
what the world is like because they're going to find out what the world is like. <laughs> Dude, those are the kids, right, who in high school were nerds whose parents wouldn't ever let them go out. And the second they get to college, they go wild. They go wild. They go fucking they go insane. Wild. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Fucking college kids. No, no, no. All right. So, like, yeah, it's just if you, if, as a parent, just be Catholic schoolgirls. They love okay. cocaine. They love right, cocaine. So Not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Mandatory. All kids should be in public school. You have to learn what it is. <laughs> Learn what it is. No, no, it's just it's just like a human thing. When someone tries to suppress something yeah. so much, it's just human nature to just want it more. Yeah. So, you got more questions? No, that was the last one. That was the last question. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. This is not all get all. Jordan, you got any questions? Huh. Well, thank you guys for being here. <laughs> How many times have you overdosed? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Thanks really. How many, how many times did you lay? Thank that you way? guys for being here and being so honest. Well, let's 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 end it on a good note. Okay. So, when 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 you go to like speaker meetings and shit, what do they talk about? What it was like? What happened? What it was like? And then what's like now? So, let's give the people some hope. What is life like after you got sober? What are you laughing for? Uh. Aiden. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, life. How much better is your life today? <laughs> life is good. It's easy. Uh, plenty of plenty to deal with, but it's all it's all good. I don't have to worry about finding drugs. I don't have to worry about any of that. I just got I got a my sponsor would call it. I think you'd say first world problems. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, normal people problems. And yeah, it's nice to wake up every day. Um, yeah, it's good life. Okay. Um, life's good. I don't, like I don't know how to describe describe it because like I feel like people want like this extravagant like oh yeah like oh shit it's fucking well just be honest if yeah. your life's not that much better i mean just my life is my life you is, don't need to make my, anything my, my, my life is cool you know what i mean like um the best things about my life was because like when i was doing this shit i had a lot of self-doubt issues and i had a lot of personal issues that i wasn't working on and not to say that i got uh through it or like I like I fucking fixed it. I still deal with them, but now I know ways to handle them that I didn't know before. You know what I mean? Um, so like life is good. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just it gets it gets better through time. You know what I mean? I bust my ass every fucking day to make shit fucking uh, the best that it possibly 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 can be. Um, I have a smile that like this is a genuine smile. I like to be happy, you know what I mean? Whereas in the past wasn't, wasn't the same case. So life in sobriety is not something where it's like this magical thing, like a fucking Disney movie. It's a thing where it's just like now your problems are just real life problems, uh, which I would 100% rather have than these fucking movie scenes that I feel like are in my head every day. So. Yeah, just, you know what I mean? Like, I have a car now, which I didn't have a car for three fucking years. And it's really hard to, you know what I mean, do shit in life without these certain things that you need. And I got them now. And it's just, I don't know. Like, it, I wish I, I wish I had, like, some, like, cool story. Like, yeah, I won the fucking lottery afterwards. It's like, nah, but, like, I fucking, I did what I had to do. I'm still continuing to work on myself. And I'm still continuing to try to be a better person every day. And I feel like that is way better than trying to be stagnant in your life and being comfortable with moving at that pace. So, yeah. Sweet. I would say life today is amazing compared to where it was before. So, um, since I got sober, it's not like every single day is perfect. Mm -hmm. That would just be ridiculous. But compared to where I was, I didn't know life could be this awesome. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of the little things. So like I go to sleep every night. That didn't happen before. I went yeah. days on end without sleeping. For, you know what I mean? Um, I wake up every day. I don't have a hangover ever. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm a little tired, whatever, but like I wake up feeling good. Um, 
half my mental capacity is not worrying about extreme bouts of depression or anxiety or where I'm going to get money to go get high again later today. And you know what I mean? It's, it's a bunch of little things. Now, once you get sober, uh, you guys probably have this where you get the pink cloud and it's different time periods for everyone. We're just life's just fucking every day is amazing. Cause you're yeah. just, you're not having a struggle anymore. And that usually lasts a few weeks, a few months or whatever. Um, once that's over, then you got to deal with like real world shit. You're like, mm -hmm. okay, like well, I started this sobriety life. Now I got to find a job. Now yeah. I got to find a place to live. Now I got to pay bills, but still like it's, it's, um, I think life's awesome. I went from in a four year span, um, well, four and a half years, um, from being broke in an apartment with an ex-girlfriend, horrible relationship, withdrawing, having extreme panic attack, not insomnia, no money at all, no job. Basically, like if I didn't have help from family, I would be some homeless piece of shit. Like, let's just be real. I would be a homeless piece of shit if I didn't have a good family and, and stuff. Uh, so when, within a four year span, I got sober, I got a really good job. I got a promotion at that job, turned a business around and got some experience. I started school. I'm in nursing school now. Um, I got married. I think that's one for the win column. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just checking. <laughs> Bought a house. <laughs> Bought a house. I have amazing friends. I have an amazing relationship with my family. Um, when people call me now, I don't dodge the phone. You know how it was back in the day. You're like, you know, your mom calls and you're using and you're like, calls. and you're just, yeah, you're never answering the phone. And then, you know, you call her back two weeks later and you're, oh, how you been? Yeah, I'm doing great. How are you? You're lying through your fucking teeth. Like you don't have to dodge phone calls anymore. My dad calls me all the time. I'm so happy to pick up the phone and talk to him. You know what I mean? Um, and it's not like a thing where, yeah, look at me. I'm so amazing. It's just like, you just the relationships you have after you get sober are just like you don't have to hide shit anymore remember how many like fucking lies you had to keep straight in your head because yeah. you're just like i told this person this but i told that person that and then you're like you're trying to keep all your lies in order because you know people are going to find out shit like it's such a mental anguish having to deal with that type of shit you know what i mean wake up go through my day shit goes wrong at work whatever no big deal just deal with it no need to panic so awesome it's way better all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Where can everybody find you? They can find me in Prescott. No. Don't be saying. <laughs> What's your Instagram? What's my Instagram? It's uh, <laughs> it's B, B. It's B Bisky two. B B I S K E two. Markel. I think. Mine is Bro J Semp. That is B R O. J S I M P. Have you said your your Instagram on every podcast? Yeah, yeah. I have. Aiden, do you uh, have? I don't have Instagram. <laughs> I have Instagram, but I don't know what it is. I got a, I got a new phone. Okay. Yeah. He has quality problems. Yeah, I'll get back with you on that. Okay. And if there's anyone out there struggling or know someone that's struggling, reach out to someone. You can. You can comment the section of this podcast or Instagram or direct message, whatever. We'll find you some help. Yeah, comment on the post on Instagram or send a DM if you don't want to be. Don't suffer alone. Tell someone. <laughs>